this is Doug McPherson from Size 10.5 Boots welcoming you to the latest edition of this run of the Coffee Cast. And I'm really glad to say that I've been joined by somebody I know in both a personal and professional capacity today, and that's Adrian Churchill. Hi, Doug. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. Good, welcome to the Coffee Cast. Yeah, great. I, I've listened to it a lot. Good. At least somebody has. Um, So if you've listened to it before, you know we've got a very strange little quirk that we do when somebody's doing their first edition, first appearance, and that's to tell us, what's what's your coffee of choice? Oh, I'm really simple. It's an Americano. It's strong, but a lot of it. A lot of it? (laughs) Yeah. Because you like a coffee as well, don't you? I, I do, I do. I'm known by name in many of the places around here. So as I said... At the beginning, we know each other personally and professionally. You've been a client of Ten and a Half. Yeah. Um, we've also traded notes because one of the things that, well, the thing that we're going to be talking about today is is how to coach professionals. Yeah. Um, and also, in the Venn diagram of life, that's probably where we've clashed on the personal, not clashed, um, <laughs> come across each other um, on the personal side because we're both football coaches yes yes we are outside of work um so as i say the reason i wanted you to come on the reason i've invited you to come on is is to talk about coaching um because like me business development or dare we actually use the the s word sales coaching's been a big part of your career what do you think it is that makes makes a good coach in a personal capacity yeah so i think there's there's two things really. So you've got, I call it sales, straight sales, and you have to be proud to be a salesperson. Um, but there's, there's two things. that You've got to coach people sometimes to get their capability up. Um, but you've then got to work out what the switch is to turn them, to enhance their own capability, give them the tools to coach themselves. And once you get that freedom, then suddenly you've got self-coaching teams and self-coaching people and they grow and just get better and better and better. And the measure of that success isn't the number at the end of the year. The measure of that success is in five years' time, all the people in that team come back and go, you made me better, I became more successful, I'm now doing the same things that you did for me five years ago. And you get that, in, you get that feedback in, in, it, over time, but it, it becomes really, really obvious when people have been successful after that sort of coaching. And... Um- you know, getting down to the nitty gritty, how do you get the best results for the people that you're coaching? Yeah, so again, I think that's, it's really simple, but it's a hard thing to quantify. So EQ is the first thing you've got to have. So if you've got a high EQ, you can quite often empathise quite quickly and you, you, you fall into the trap of... So what's an EQ? It's a, the um, emotional, uh, it, it's understanding somebody's emotional need. Right. So when somebody says to you, I want a coffee... The, somebody with high EQ goes, oh, are you tired? <laughs> right. And when somebody comes to you and says, I need coaching, that's a very rare day. But you can see somebody who's not quite getting something, they're not having the success, they, they're using, using phrases like, I've tried, rather than I did. Mm. And, and when you hear that, you sort of go, this person needs some coaching, but you can, you can attack it in the wrong way. So I once had a boss who would say, I'm going to coach you now which you knew was 10 minutes of a diatribe telling you of everything you did wrong and even he didn't like your socks. And he felt that was coaching. He was a generation above me <laughs> and thought Brian Glover was the genius. <laughs> uh, 
but I, I did learn from him, and I learned from him that, that that worked in one situation, which is the emergency situation. We are going to lose a deal unless you do as you do the right actions, and, that, and it is a valid part of coaching. The actions that need to be done are these, but a lot of people in positions of power who aren't coaches go. I got to my position of power. Do it my way. Yes, and I think at the age I'm at, which is you know the difficult age. Of, of, of mid 40s <laughs> you you realize that your generation is older than the, than the, the 20 year olds entering to the, the world of work those people still need coaching they don't know all the answers but they've got different answers to the to the solution the, the different solutions to to the problems because they're younger they've got d- different views on the world and you can still coach them to become better versions of themselves so what's the difference between training and coaching yeah, so training is about skill acquisition. So how do you acquire the skill? Well, you've got to do it. So in football, we stick down some cones or we stick out a pitch or we mark something out and we give them repetitive actions to do. Yes. So it might be, right, we need to teach our back four to stay in a line and do the offside trap. How do we do that? Create a lot of situations where they're going to have to stay in a line and step up. And so you create games and you make them do it and they do it for, you know, they'll repeat it a hundred times in a, in a session. And then suddenly they've acquired that skill. So that's, that's the training part. And you can do that in a job, right? So if you are trying to work out how do you go to the market and talk to them about your service or product, the first time you do it, you're guessing. Then you use a bit of customer insight. You learn from what you've done before. And as, as the manager, the director, the coach, you're seeing your whole team do it. And you work out what's successful, what isn't, what, could, what, what can you steal off somebody else. And you get everyone to acquire that base level of skill. But then you look at the individuals and how do they do it? You can have softly spoken people. You can have the energetic types, the, the gregarious ones. and, 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 and not. They can all acquire the skill. And then you've got the coaching, which is how do you get them to do more of what they, they're really good at? What's, what's creating success? Or whatever the measure of success is, quarterly numbers, annual numbers, or even just personal development. Get them to do more of it. In, invite them to do it. Let them fall over in front of you, but never judge them on the failure. Yes. What did you learn? What did you see? What were you trying to achieve? And this is is what I think the essence of the difference between training and coaching, and sometimes, dare I say it, where where professional service organisations get it wrong. You've already touched on the fact, you know... the boss is saying, this is the way I've always done it. This is the way I was trained. This, Therefore, this is all you're going to do. Yeah. And we've been talking a little bit recently and published a couple of things about the difference between marketing and business development, with marketing being one message to a lot of people. Yeah. Business development being, well, let's cut that right back. Yeah. And it's one person talking to another. And I think that's the difference between training. You can tell them, these are all the things you can do and this is how to do it. But... I think the coaching side is actually putting that on the individual yeah. um, and unlocking what they can do, but giving them the confidence to do it a little bit better yeah. and, dare I say, a little bit more often. Yeah, it, it's the more often is key in any business development role. If you've got professional services that you see as the manager, you've done it this way, you've been successful, you've achieved your numbers... Then you've got a team of people below you who have a different view and a different network of people. How do you get them to network more? How do you get them to bring that network in to your organisation? Yes. And, and also see their blind spots. Everyone's got them. Salespeople are the worst. 
they've got this huge blind spot, which is the customer told me they've got 10,000 of this that they need. And we sell that, so they must buy it. We forgot to ask the question of who do you want to buy it from? Why do you want to buy it? What's the purpose? What, what, why are you suddenly buying 10,000 of these things? That's the blind spot. Bring them into the organisation. Learn. Actually do things in front of people. That's another part of coaching, football, training. Can the coach actually do the task? Yes. Can they kick a ball? Can they take a penalty? Probably not, because we're not as young as we used to be. <laughs> and a slightly different and, and let's be honest, <laughs> could, could, could either of us actually do it when we were young? No, no. But we could point at other people who could do it, <laughs> which was the key. So now you have to go and get the kid who you know can do it, the, 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 the young lad who you know can take a brilliant free kick, get him to do it in front of people. Then other people start copying. And they're the elements where you know you've got the team right because they're going to start coaching each other. Because they'll say, I did this. You brought them into the organisation. We had a big meeting with the customer. We all learned some things. And now they don't want to buy 10,000. They want to buy 10,000 every year for the next five years. And the, 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 the people doing the work can go back to their manager. And the manager's learned something. They've learned something about the next generation. Now, that, now they become better. And that's what I learned. Is that my younger people in my team taught the older people a different way to do the same thing. And that, 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 make, that meant it was sustainable. Which is an interesting thing, because you mentioned, you know, how do people in their 40-something years deal with a new influx? And, you know, within a professional service firm, this is a massive thing, because you've got people that are just starting, very ambitious, mid-20s, they've done their initial training, qualifications, whatever. They now want to advance in their career. Yeah. How do you get them on side, especially as what we're really talking about here is sales and it's probably something they don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. So you've got, you've got the manager looking at the younger person and not understanding what they're good at. And, and I think the really obvious thing is, is how people use social tools. Like LinkedIn are very good at telling you that LinkedIn is the, is the social tool. Yes. But what about the people who've got a network on Facebook? Younger people. And this was something we were talking about doing only yesterday afternoon working on a a fashion sector project with an IP firm. Yeah. LinkedIn's not going to do anything. No. With new, you've got to be on Instagram. You've yeah. got to be on Snapchat. You've got to... And, and people's networks are different to what you imagine. So on Facebook, it's all your friends that you already knew in 3D. Yes. And you're collecting them in because we're in, in, our, in our prime. But the younger people are going, oh, I, I follow loads of people I don't know on my social media and they follow me. And that's, it's the shop window. They're better at marketing than a 45-year-old marketeer who hasn't developed the skills. Yes. So you, you work out what it is that that generation is doing and then you, can, then you can learn as a manager and then you can start to coach back. And so you don't need to acquire the skills yourself, but you can tell them how to use those skills in a better way. Because quite often I see managers walking around large organisations looking at the screen and going, that person's not working because they've got Facebook open. No, they're working really hard but in a way that you don't understand. Yes. And that's, the, that's, that's a real generational difference. Um, and, and I do, I, I see it quite a lot and I recognised it in myself because I, I don't really understand Snapchat. I've got kids who have Snapchat and then you realise that they, it's not friends, it's, it's a network. Yeah. And actually that's brilliant as long as they're using it correctly. It's brilliant because they'll be able to go and talk to somebody for just one sentence and get themselves a lead. 
then that's up to the job of the professional services company to develop that lead into a business and then ongoing business. And that's where the skills of maturity come in. Yes. So how do I leverage my network to actually build relationships? But kids are doing the, the first bit better than we've ever done. So that, again, I think is a massive benefit of, of coaching versus training because you can have those two-way conversations. Because I know that I've learned untold amounts, both from the younger guys that I'm coaching football at the moment and more particularly from younger clients who have got a much better handle on all of this stuff. Yeah, it, it has to be a two-way thing. And that's why I think when people try and train their managers to become coaches... They train them and say, this is coaching. Have you filled out the coaching form? Actually, this is where the EQ comes in. What am I learning from you? Is this an interesting conversation? Does it go somewhere? And how do I convert that into whatever my measure is? It's probably revenue or gross margin yes. or whatever. Billable hours, billable in, hours. in a professional yeah. service context. I need, I need billable hours from that relationship. But that relationship's strong. How do I recognise it? How do I change it? And that's where it becomes a coaching conversation because you're asking questions because you're curious. You want, to, you want to know what they're doing, but you want to know because you, you need to learn. When you've learned, you're sharing it and then, then it becomes a self-coaching environment. And that's when teams become really good. And we know this in football, when the, everyone on the pitch knows what their job is and they know what somebody else's job is and they know what their unit's job is versus the team job, then they're stood in the right place. And as long as they run around stood in the right place, they'll probably score some goals. Well, I... I think this is an absolute, absolutely crucial element. And the question I was going to ask you is how, is, how important uh, in terms of generating success from coaching is knowing all of your clients, players, team members, yeah. inside out, as yeah. people. How much should you invest in, in that side? I've always invested a lot. You know some, some of the people who've worked for yeah. me. And I've, I've invested a lot of time in getting to know them because some really simple little things where people, you know that they, they, they need to be offline at three o'clock to pick the kids up. If you give them that time and don't ask for anything in return, you get it back 10 times. And you understand who they are and what makes them tick and you know where they're going to give you 110% versus the, yeah, I've dialed it in and done some lead gen. You know, you, you didn't really, did you? You picked up the phone once, you dialed the number, then you hung up or you didn't send the message because you couldn't quite craft it the way you wanted to. We need to talk about that. We need yes. to just, what's the way that you can make it work for you? Like, and then they start going, they come up with their own ideas of how they can make it work. And then you ask them a week later, have you done it? Yes, I have, because it was my idea. So you have to know people to, to really generate that, that coaching side of things. And you know I like cricket as well, and I know you know less about cricket than most people. Oh, I hate it. People. Let's just stop, <laughs> stop dressing this up. It's not a salad. <laughs> Cricket, being a, a fine, fine sport, divides itself into batsmen and bowlers. Yes. And a, there's one wicketkeeper and then there's often an all-rounder. Well, you have to work out what your job is. And then you can be... Then you can go at it really, really hard. So a fast bowler goes, right, I'm, I'm there to take wickets. That's my job. So I'm going to shout at anyone that gets in my way of taking wickets. But you can't be angry with me when I'm cr cross when you drop a catch because you know what your job is and it was just to catch it. Then the batsman knows that he's got to stay in, score runs, do whatever he's got to do. And the bowlers aren't responsible at that point. So they're going to watch that, those people do it and they're going to support them however they need to. And when you know that, then guess what? You accumulate the runs and you take the wickets because everyone's working towards a common goal, but doing their own different jobs within it. And that's where the coaching bit comes in because 
Otherwise, you can have the batsman going, it's all the bowler's fault they didn't take the wickets. And the bowlers go, it was the batsman didn't score enough runs. And the poor old wicketkeeper sit there going, I've just tried to do my job. <laughs> <laughs> but, and this is, I think this leads on to another crucial point, which I hadn't initially thought of when I was doing what I laughably call preparation for these <laughs> things. But there is such a massive strategic benefit of coaching because yeah. that coach has that insight into yeah. what people can do, how you can buddy people up. Like you say, tell them where on the pitch to stand. Yeah. Your insight can create teams that are actually going to yeah. multiply the effect that they have on the business by yeah. putting the right people to do the right things. And I don't know about you, but the other thing I've found from coaching, particularly within the professional services is that some people get buttonholders, oh, they're no good at this kind of stuff. Mm. We'll just put them in the corner, they can do the work. And then all of a sudden, because you're in a private environment, people feel comfortable because you're talking to them on a level and with that emotional intelligence. And they suddenly come out and go, no, I'd love to do that. But I've never been given the chance. And all of a sudden, that's that's where I get the most fulfilment, is getting those people, working out what works for them, what their triggers are. And just getting them involved. I, I worked at a company. I won't name them. It was a very good company, but I, I won't name them because this this side of things, it was it was a blind spot for the whole company. They'd introduced education, training, and coaching as, as three different things. And what they overlaid that on was promotion. You're just a salesperson. You're just a sales manager. You'll want to be a sales director. That was kind of it. So. You did all your coaching badges. You did all you did all this stuff because you wanted a promotion. And, and I, I ran a new business sector, and most of the company didn't do new business. We were the we were the odd thing on the side. They didn't quite know what to do, but we always deliver good news, so it was a good thing to have. Um, but my team, we we had a an open conversation as a team, and they said, "Well, two of uh, two of them said, oh, I do want to be a manager one day." Five of them went, I never want a promotion in my life. I just love doing this job. Yes. I just want to do it. Never promote me. So the whole, the whole education bit didn't work for them because they're going, you're trying to teach me stuff about becoming a sales director. I want to be the best salesperson ever. So it just flipped on his head and said, right, okay. You know, Maradona had a coach. Lionel Messi had a coach. Pele had a coach. How did they get the best out of them? Why did Maradona win the World Cup in 86? And then... In 1994. Implode. Yeah, everything went wrong. You know, how did, how did that happen? Was it the coaching that changed? How did he have the freedom in 86 and then the pressure in 1990 kind of thing? And so we started coaching about deals and about work and have you tried this and could you do that? They all expanded their roles massively they, and they moved as well. They did different jobs. They did get promotion. Yes. But just not in that hierarchical way of saying you're in sales, you're going to carry on being in sales and... One day, if you're very unlucky, you'll be a sales director. <laughs> and, and I think that's a really important thing is, is coach around people's capabilities and desires. Because if, if somebody likes what they do and they're good at what they do and they get paid for what they do, that's about as good as it gets, isn't it? But it's, we use a really simple model, um, which is the AAA. So it's avarice. Do you want to make loads of money? Yeah. Advancement. Do you want to be promoted? to partner, to member, to director level, um, or adulation. 
you just like a pat on the back because you've actually done something well and I think once you find out what mix of those three things drives people then you can talk to them in language they understand that's how I feel you can get the best out of people who don't want to do what you're asking them to do yeah and often they don't judge themselves correctly against those three things yeah I I remember moving into a job and having a really wonderful conversation with a guy who's a good friend of mine now and I, I wanted him just to introduce himself to me and tell me what you know, made him tick and what is what deals are on the go and what he thought about the company and you know an open conversation and he said aid don't need to know much about me i'm coin operated <laughs> <laughs> and i had exactly the same thing at lloyd's yes you can have manager on your business card but you're never managing anything because i know all you want to do is generate commission yeah for you yeah exactly but yeah. once you understood that yeah it turned out that guy loved the pat on the back. And, and, and his best mate, who'd also described himself as coin-operated, which I, I love as a phrase, <laughs> he said that he didn't like it being in the spotlight at all. A year later, he's running a conference all about how good his deals had been and, and how he was trying to share his information about what he'd learned. And there was 60 or 70 people watching. I said, I thought you didn't like being in the spotlight. And he goes, I changed. It's like, yeah, you were never coin-operated. There's, there's always a few different... Everyone's three-dimensional, aren't they? And you've got to find out what the dimensions are and which, which one to poke at and which one to allow them to, to, to develop themselves. So just to close things off, because, you know, there's many landlords between Nottingham and London that can say that you and I can sit there and talk for some <laughs> serious amount of time. And this is supposed to be a a coffee drinking length <laughs> bite rather than uh, rather than a TED talk. So can I ask you, we, we like to end Coffee Cast with three top tips from the guests. So what are the three things you think make a really good coach? Yeah, I think first, first of all, understand you don't have any of the answers. You might think you've got some, but understand you have none of the answers. Then that means that you can then focus on just the questions. So top tip number two is what are the questions you're asking? And how do you ask them? Because sometimes you want to coach people in a direction. Be very specific. Ask them a closed question, yes or no. Others make them talk. I suppose the, the third thing is, is just take yourself out of the coaching environment if you don't get a kick out of seeing people get better. Because you, you can't coach at that point. If you, don't get a, if you don't get some enjoyment out of them phoning you up in five years' time and go. I loved working for you. I don't remember anything I did, but I do remember how I felt. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I have got better. <laughs> You've got to get that kick. If not, move out of the coaching environment. You can still be a manager, but don't think you're a coach. Somebody else in the team. Manage the, the business, coaching. not the people. Yes, exactly. So that'd be my three tips, I think. Fantastic. A, thank you ever so much for taking the time you're out. Welcome. It's good fun. And um, if we haven't scared you off too much, would you do it again? Yeah, of course I would. Good man. Um, So that's it from this edition of the Coffee Cast. If you'd like us to cover anything in an upcoming edition, you can email me at info at ten and a half, all in letters, dot co dot uk. But as always, there's a whole load of resource, BD tips, tricks, white papers, and all sorts of other good stuff on ten and a half dot co dot uk. So please help yourself. But until the next time, thank you. Cheerio.